Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Good to have you with us. Got emails rolling in saying, hey, I like your broadcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate you tuning in and telling others about this. Get that music stopped in the background. Competing with that in the background is a little bit of a challenge sometimes. But anyway, it's good to have you with us. It is February 23rd, 2015, Monday. It is freezing down here in Central Texas, out where I live. We got ice covering the cars, and uh, it's okay, kind of sort of, to drive in. But last week I was in in the Mount Laurel, New Jersey area of Philadelphia, outside of Philadelphia. Man, we had a lot of snow, so we, I think I drank some of it at home. But it was 78 degrees on Saturday here. Hope the weather is doing well for you, although I know many of you across the country are just deep in snow and conditions. We'll have to get a snow report from Paul Mallow here, get a weather report. He's on the line. We'll have him on just shortly here on the broadcast. Got Sam Garcia on as well, getting an update. Of course, Alice, Joe, and Andy giving their insights. Today we're going to be talking about uh, some feedback we've been receiving on recent broadcasts. Also, we get regular requests to talk about some of the trends. Again, Alice, Joe, and uh, Alice and Andy and I are traveling around. Joe has all his market commentary he gets while he sits at his desk there here in Austin. He doesn't travel quite as much as we do. But we do get a lot of insights into what's going on in the markets and some of the trends. So many of you have told us how valuable it is when we talk once a month and just kind of do the roundtable discussion amongst the regulars about what's going on. So today we're in the hot topic section. We're going to be talking about reviewing the last four broadcasts, bringing forth some uh, commentary that's come from our and questions that have come from our listening audience. We try to deal with the really hot topics real quickly, and then we deal with it on once a month and just kind of go back over and give you feedback and things that we've received as people have downloaded and listened to the broadcast and sometimes multiple times, uh, like they say, so much information in this broadcast. We have to listen to it several times to get the notes down. But anyway, we appreciate you being a part of the broadcast. Very much appreciate you telling others about it. This has been totally word of mouth. We're over 380,000 downloads of this broadcast. Just blows me away. But anyway, good to have you with us. Let's uh, get over and say a special thank you to our sponsors, United Guarantees, Underwriters Achieving 24-Hour Turnaround on 98% of the applications that are being turned in that are on full-file applications, another fully documented applications. And they've been doing this since uh, 2014. Very good turnaround, real solid uh, performance. Uh, their underwriting has been the focus of a three-year initiative to make United Guarantees full-file MI applications faster and easier for lenders, and I think they're one of the quickest, if not the fastest, out there in the industry. United Guarantees employees or employs more than 200 uh, underwriting personnel who collaborate with each customer to ensure 24-hour turnaround on their MI full-file submissions, and uh, there's just no other company offering this kind of service on a consistent basis. So they've really made a significant investment. I encourage you to check it out. For more information and advantages about submitting full-file applications, contact your United Guarantee sales team or go to their website, www.ugcorp.com. 
com forward slash day one. like that. Mortgage insurance underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. Appreciate them and say hello to all of their representatives across the country. Also, VELMA. That virtual stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. We appreciate them. They're the ones that get the word out each day or each week on Mondays about what we're going to be talking about. And so they do a great job getting the notifications out. Lots to talk about. In fact, I, normally I give an update on what some of the conferences are, but we got a lot to talk about. So Sam Garcia, we're going to have him on a little bit later. Um, I'm just going to point you to the Mortgage Daily uh, website and tell you to go check it out. He's probably got the most comprehensive calendar, and I haven't had a chance to update mine. So uh, there's a lot going on, though. February 23rd, starting today, is we have the National Servicing Expo up in Dallas and the Midwinter Conference in March, and there's a bunch more going on. So anyway, appreciate each Appreciate each of you and all of your contributions, whether it's just encouragement, and we do get so many of those emails. So, again, the latest one rolled in as we are starting the broadcast. It's from Anthony, and I hope I'm saying this right, Anthony, Shart, S-H-A-R-E-E-T, and he's with Baker Law, and it's good to have him listening and uh, sending in his kudos to us, and then... uh, He's got some information. I'll have to talk about it, some some link here, and I haven't had a chance to read it, but I'm, I'll do that a little bit later and hopefully give him a shout on it. Let's get over to Joe Farr, take a look at what's going on in the markets. Joe, always love to get your market commentary. Again, I look at this website constantly. It's almost always, always open them on my desk. So give our listeners an update on what's happening today. How's that? How's oh, the housing okay. start? Sound like they came in a little lower. Housing starts. Not housing starts. Not housing existing starts. Home existing, yeah, existing home sales existing. fell. Um, yeah, fell fairly substantially and and missed the mark on uh, uh, expectations. And you know, uh, we are up today. And ordinarily, weak yeah. data like that would cause us to be up. But most of the improvement in prices came before the existing home sales data even came out. And I think it's linked hmm. somewhat to uh, Friday's big sell-off at the end of the day. You might remember on Friday, yes, late afternoon, uh, an announcement was made that that the eurozone uh, negotiators with Greece had reached an agreement. And boy, as soon as that came out, MBS prices dropped. Oh yeah. And uh, and they, uh, I think now they're realizing the the market's realizing that much of. Uh, much is yet to be done on that agreement. Uh, apparently, there are some obligations for Greece to provide uh, the Eurozone negotiators a list of uh, reform measures that they'll abide by during the uh, four-month extension. And once that's done, the, the uh, negotiators need to accept it. If they accept it, then they have to ask the governments of the various uh, European countries to accept it. And Greek government has to say that they'll abide by it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, there is a lot yeah. left to do on that, and and you know that's a situation where uh, you know if Greece is not able to reach an agreement, there are concerns that it might <laughs> leave the eurozone. Um, if it does so, I think that that's a terrible thing for the Greek people and and the economy in mm. Greece, and 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 the concern. The reason why it's affecting our markets, as it has been of late, is the contagion that could follow. You know, if uh, Greece goes down, uh, people are going to con- become concerned about Spain, Portugal, other uh, other countries, and their banking systems are at risk, et cetera. So uh, it'd be better not to happen. Uh, so we hope all this negotiation works out. 
No kidding. Do we very much do. So last week, you know, pretty much the same thing. Greece was in the news uh, starting on Tuesday. They the there was some confidence building that that Greece would strike a deal with the eurozone negotiators and and we pretty big drop in prices, 65 basis point drop in MBS prices on Tuesday. Um, and then uh, on Wednesday, uh, the Fed minutes came out, and, and they were considered yeah. sort of dovish and, and bond-friendly, and we had a nice little rally on, on Wednesday, got back about 45 basis points. Then again on Friday, as I mentioned, we had that big drop after the deal was announced mm-hmm. with Greece. So I bring that up only to say it's been extremely volatile. And uh, each day this week, we saw substantial investor reprices, midday reprices, uh, uh, one for the better on Wednesday and three for the worse on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. So uh, it's just uh, a, a trend that I think we're into right now, and we're going to see continue for a while. Uh, the economic data. So. Yep. Yeah, the the economic data released last week was generally not as good as expected. Uh, ordinarily, that'd be bond friendly, right? Uh, but uh, yep. didn't have much effect. Uh, both the Empire State Index and the Philly Fed Index missed uh, were below expectations. Housing starts were disappointing. Home builder confidence fell. Industrial production didn't meet expectations. And, and uh, some of this could be due to weather, uh, as you mentioned. Everyone's pretty cold out there. Uh, mm-hmm. The only really good news was the jobless claims uh, fell from the prior week. So uh, for the that. week, yeah, yeah, for the week, MBS prices uh, fell about forty basis points. And interesting week last week, and there, you know, there's, as you look over the Greece headlines, that was just an interesting to see Friday's reaction. Then today, that, that's uh, I have to digest that a little bit before I could even much comment on it. It's one of those ones where I go very interesting. I thought it was an overreaction, but the many I want to put some thoughts out there that I'm talking to another people who are very close to the European. Uh, markets over there, and there's a general feeling Greece is not going to make it, Joe. And the and there's some out there that are very much saying this is going to have significant ramifications. According, to these guys are more the, going the glass half empty category mm-hmm. bucket. And uh, but there's there's a lot of concerns about this Greece situation and the implications it's going to have worldwide to the financial market. So, what is the catalyst? Everyone seems to think that there's going to be a big market correction here. Is the catalyst going to be Greece? What else is it? What else could it be? But they're pointing to that one. So, good one to watch. So this week, absolutely. what do we got? Uh, you got more more information well, on Greece, probably. I thought, yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, actually, the the deadline for Greece to provide their list of reform measures is today, and uh, oh, really? I have not I have not seen uh, uh, an indication that they've done that yet. Today is probably this evening in Greece already, so um, uh, we'll keep an eye on that absolutely. And then and then as they've presented it, it's a matter of getting it approved in the various levels. Uh, you know, and, and think about how tough that's, that's going to be on, on the Greek uh, uh, leadership, given that they ran on um, you know, a policy of uh, no more austerity and, and get the, mm-hmm. uh, the Troika out of Greece. And here they are, they're going to have to issue their, their list of things that, that they're going to have to do because the Troika tells them to. So. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a difficult thing. 
The economic data this week, uh, durable orders and CPI come out on Thursday. It's the biggest uh, uh, big day. Uh, second revision, the fourth quarter GDP comes out on Friday. And then some housing data, new home sales tomorrow, and pending home sales on Friday. So, uh, and, and Janet Yellen uh, testifying yeah, in, that's uh, in front of uh, Congress. Uh, the House tomorrow, I think, and the Senate on Wednesday. It's her semiannual testimony before Congress. Any anticipation? I mean, most of the insights we get is from the FOMC meeting minutes, I would think. So I think are we looking for any – or what should we be paying attention to as we listen to her or read her transcripts from her speech? Uh, Dave, I, I think it's a read on the economy. Uh, I think the, the mm-hmm. Fed has been pretty – has been uh, – Pretty bullish. I mean, they—they they, as I mentioned, the minutes were perceived as somewhat dovish, are uh, are mm-hmm. moving in that direction, and so we'll have to get a, a read on that and determine to what extent she is com- concerned about, uh, you know, inflation, uh, inflation being as low as it is, uh, uh, how much of it's transitory based on on the price of oil, and uh, uh, get her read on the jobs situation. Got the Joltska report coming up here in not too distant future, but her commentary is going to be highly watched, and it could have market-moving potential uh, consequences. And if you're not hooked up to a service like MBS Quoteline, folks, you are not able to stay on top of it. Say, well, yeah, but I got the newspaper; I can watch this. Yeah, well, you, this service, MBS Quoteline, just to your right on the spot. I love how you get out the word quickly and concisely. So. Thank you, Joe. Look forward to having your participation you later in the Hot Topic segment as we get your thoughts on what's going on in the market. Good to have you. Folks, we're going to be right back after this brief break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteline delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin'. All right, let's get a weather report from the Northeast. We have our correspondent up there standing in a snowdrift somewhere, Paul Mollo. Paul, can you hear me? Can you hear me amongst all the snow falling amongst you? I, well, I can, but uh, if you called me yesterday, I would have been on the ski slopes in Pennsylvania, and I wouldn't be able to hear you. So, um, <laughs> Good for you. But, uh, no, I yeah. did go skiing yesterday in Pennsylvania. It's about 70 miles north of uh, D.C. We're in Silver Spring, right north yeah. of uh, D.C. Uh, but, oh, no, yeah. listen, we got hammered on Saturday with seven, eight, seven to eight inches. Uh, they were telling us two to three inches, and um, I was going to turn the freezing rain and rain, and it just didn't turn out that way. Um, so wow. and, uh, it smacked the D.C. area <laughs> once again, but Sunday was nice, 43, yeah. so we hit the ski slopes, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm not complaining yeah. too much. So it could be, no, could be worse. It could be in Boston under three or four feet of snow whatever or, or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Now, you look at look at the snow removal job business going up there. It's booming, but it's really having an impact. So it's uh, good to have you on the broadcast. Yeah. I was in Philadelphia. We had I, I dusted off at least six inches of snow on a Tuesday morning while there. 
in the Philadelphia area. But uh, good to have you with us. Uh, got your headlines up here looking at the jumbo market share. Uh, again, looks uh, the best since 2002. But I Correct. wonder why Wells is dominant once again. That, that's the part, you know, why Wells? Well, listen, I mean, uh, that's sort of the uh, no-news part of it, I guess. You know, listen, yeah. Wells is the largest originator by far. And, uh, you know, they got a lot of money. And, um, you know, they're they're putting all those loans in their portfolio. And, and you know, they they can afford, you know, their cost of funds. Someone, I haven't looked at it lately, but I remember an analyst told me, this is going back several quarters, their cost of funds is like, 25 basis points. It's ridiculous. And uh, so they make a jumbo <laughs> so the mortgage. Spread, yeah. Yeah, and they're making a jumbo mortgage. Let's just pick a number, 4%. Just think of the spread yeah. on that. I mean, why, why in, you know, why, why in God's earth should they ever securitize a jumbo mortgage? <laughs> Not yeah. with spreads yeah, no, like that. And, and that's the reason that I am told time and time again, until the CNI loan market, um, uh, industrial and commercial loans starts coming back, and we're going to continue to see this trend of all those jumbos going into portfolio. And uh, the, the jumbo number is, has to do with market share, by the way. Uh, last year was a pretty decent year for jumbo production, but it was down a little bit from 2013, which which was the best year in many years. So I should point yeah. that out. We're talking well, about market share here, but it's still important. How does that bode for How does that bode for uh, Redwood Trust and others that have been doing some of the securitizations? Oh, listen, you know, Redwood, Redwood, they're a smart group of people there. I know some of those people, and they're very bright. And uh, they're just basically uh, turning into whole loan traders. They'll, they'll buy on a correspondent basis, and, uh, you know, they'll flip them Sell off to well. someone else. So. Yeah, yeah exactly. They'll flip them. I don't know who they're flipping them to, but, you know, it could be Wells. Uh, so you know they'll they'll be they'll serve as the trading desk and and make their money that way. So they're you know and they're in other businesses right, too. Yeah. So let's not forget that. Uh, the other yeah, there are two point. very big M and A stories this morning. By the way, the the first one is the Nation Star buying uh, ten billion of MSRs from Aquin. That portfolio has been out there for a couple of weeks at least. We reported on it uh, three or four weeks ago. Uh, it's ten billion dollars of Freddie Mac rights. Uh, and there's no price on that one, but you know, as everyone knows, Auckland's getting out of the agency business. They have roughly 182 billion of MSRs uh, of Fannie, Freddie, Ginny, and they're getting out. So that's the first of many deals. The other interesting one that that came out of nowhere was Home Loan Serving Sol- Servicing Solutions, which is an Auckland spinoff, is being mm-hmm. sold to New Residential Investment Corp, which is a publicly traded REIT, which has its tentacles to NationStar. Lo and behold, yes. Uh, you know, it's basically Fortress is behind them, and Fortress owns 70% of uh, NationStar, Ergo. You know, there's a tie in there. So that that one yeah. is very interesting. It basically takes HLSS, HLSS, uh, you know, out of the mortgage business, and, and everything will get mushed into new residential. So interesting story that came out of nowhere. Um, and lo and behold, on Friday we have Brandon Ivy running about a Fitch downgrading 100 non-agency MBS that are serviced by Aquin. That came out on Friday before the news of uh, of the HLS uh, deal. So, uh, Also, uh, VA is uh, ready to issue uh, their qualified mortgage rule. That's coming in May. Uh, one of the reasons we put that out there, VA, lo and behold, VA is doing some really nice increases in business. Um, there's a lot of lenders out there that are pushing VA loans heavy, and you, as you probably know, one of the reasons yeah. is maybe the, the no down payment feature of VA mortgages. Exactly. Um, 
So that's that's probably sure, one yeah. of the primary reasons. Uh, and then in the short take section, we have uh, Aquin share prices up nicely on the MSR sales uh, and a couple other related stories and a little note about cash calls, non-QM loan, and a little uh, nod to Fidelity, which uh, the big mortgage vendor grew its revenues by 21%. In the fourth quarter, I should point out that Fidelity owns uh, the two big mortgage vending brands, ServiceLink, as well as Black Knight Financial. So. That's all the uh, the big stuff for now. Good big stuff. Good good. Hey, what's your thoughts overall on Aquin? Are they going to? How are they going to weather the horrific storms they've said? Well, any thoughts? Any feel from your perspective is? Uh, uh, I can't figure your them death? out. Well, I know I know they're I know they're they keep claiming oh we're going to be an originator and yeah you know, well, that's nice <laughs> but you know you got to spend money yeah. to make money and I don't see them spending money in originations. I really don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the future of that company is. I look at it and I just figure they're going to liquidate, you know, basically liquidate all their holdings and and return all the money to the shareholders. I don't know. I just I I can't figure it out. I really can't. It's uh, yeah. it's a mystery to me, but it's a lots of speculation story. around that one. Yeah. It is always fascinating. Will you track some great stories? Appreciate you coming on, giving and glad you got up on the slopes. I love snow skiing. I'm a little jealous that you live that close to some snow skiing, and it should have been really good snow. Basically, what I fell in my car on Tuesday, uh, I found in my car Tuesday morning. It was just that white puffy stuff. It's perfect. Well, that's so, right. You got no mountains there in Texas, right? You just got foothills. No, right? we got to drive. Got to drive almost a day's drive over to New Mexico to get any kind of real. Skiing no, and that's then right. that's, well, that's Taos definitely is a good ski be. area. I understand. I haven't been there. But yeah, I love Taos. At least yeah. on the winter. I've been there many times. And, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Good altitude. Well, I appreciate it, man. Come on out and visit us. Appreciate you. And uh, have a great everyone there at uh, Inside Mortgage Finance, imfnews.com, folks. Check it out. We'll if you're do. not subscribed, be sure to do so. Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, dude. Let's move over. Bye-bye. You bet. Always. Look forward to having uh, Alice Alvey give us an update. Alice, good to have you here. It's fun to listen to Paul cover all these details and all of that. And uh, But also, Alice, just what's going on in the world of regulatory and legislative update? What you got? Well, we have a few things. You know, last week we reported about a couple of bills that have come out. So Congress is back from the presidential recess. And uh, we have H.R. 982 trying to go after the mutual mortgage insurance fund. As you might know, uh, on February 11th, you know, HUD um, was testifying, and in that testimony, they got grilled, Castro got grilled pretty hard about, you know, how could you reduce the MIP when the fund is not up to par, and, you know, it's not a, maybe we'll, you know, it's okay to operate at this level. You can't be doing things that appear to take it in reverse. So he really, if you want to read the testimony, he really took it hard from Congress that this should not have happened. So this legislation, it just seems to be a few of those folks trying to send a message. If the mutual mortgage insurance fund gets in trouble, don't ask the Treasury for any help other than if the money's needed for uh, the foreclosure uh, foreclosures only. It can't go for anything else, so paying the claims. Uh, you know, FHA's got $40 billion, according to the last report I saw, so it's not like they're on the edge. So I'm not sure there's anything we have to watch for that. Uh, Congress is maybe going to start paying attention to Fannie and Freddie, Senate Bill 495, a bill to revoke the charters for Fannie and Freddie. Probably not going anywhere, but we'll have that on the radar for you. Um, I guess the other thing I want to make sure folks know is that um, the CFPB rule is out, comments are due by March 30th, so you have to the end of the month, for the uh, component about redefining a small lender, a small creditor. 
So today your competition is, or for those of you who are small creditors, it's 500 loans throughout the year, and they are looking to change that to 2,000. So essentially it means more companies will qualify for that small creditor exemption. Surprisingly enough, only seven comments have been posted. One of the comments is, Hey, if it, you know, and, and it, well, actually, I'm sorry, that was the servicing comments. Yeah, so only seven comments have been posted for this particular uh, proposed rule, and uh, folks are, you know, happy about it, but not getting a lot of attention. I would think some companies, and we haven't even heard from the associations on that, so that's unusual. I guess we have 30 days, and we're all thinking about Tila Respa. So here is my Tila Respa. <laughs> I think, Dave, I have to start doing a Tila Respa Integrated Disclosure Tip of the Week. TRID is there you our acronym. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Everybody's trying to find a shortcut way to say it. So uh, one of the issues that everybody – take a good hard look, folks, at the cannot shop rule. So in our, mm. in, our good, in our fees today when you're quoting a fee and the customer cannot shop for the fee, that starts to be easy. Uh, look – I'm sorry, I should rephrase. You need to look at the can shop. When a borrower can shop, this complicates the process, and you need to put a few things in place. You have to make sure they get a disclosure. A disclosure is required. Use the form in the regulation. And if they do pick off your list, piece of cake, no tolerance. But what do you do if they just don't pick? They sit around. The regulation addresses yeah. this, right? <laughs> you have to say, well, I gave you a chance to pick, but you haven't picked yet. So are we allowed to give them a deadline? I think we are. You're going to have to document it. So start drawing out some tables and procedures. It's very different on the can and cannot shop list between the old rules and the new rules. I think we actually come out a little bit of ahead. If you need some help with that, I have a full write-up for it. Uh, Dave, I think, are we going to save the mortgage action practices issues for our hot topic, or do yes. you want to cover that now? Yeah, we're going to okay. save that. Yep, yep. We, no, let's cover that in the hot topic section, because that is, uh, it's it's showing up with CFPB, and I want to definitely uh, cover that then, but that's good. So, folks, stay tuned. We're going to have more on the MAPS, MAPS regular election, mortgage action, no, mortgage app. Oh, come acts of practices. Mortgage What's the S again? I always forget the That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll get that one covered for sure. Good, Alice. Thank you so much. Looking forward to having your commentary and thoughts on uh, in the Hot Topics segment. So appreciate you being with us. Dialing in for Chili, Detroit. Man. Yeah. How do you do I used to, I grew up in Minnesota. I can't imagine living in that all the time. Just crazy. At least it warms up well, occasionally down here. Well, when your family's here, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yep. When your family's here, it, that's where it, you you're warm at heart. How's that? <laughs> You're warm at heart. That is true. <laughs> it's good to have you with us. Folks, we're going to be right back with the Prophet Doctor. We got uh, Sam Garcia next up, and we got the Prophet Doctor. Be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Well, it's good to have Alice with us. I love Indicom. I love the Mortgage U concept of what they do. Of course, Mortgage U is 
not a concept. It's a proven reality of the services they provide, training, expertise, just e-learning. If you have not checked out their e-learning center, folks, do it, do it, do it. Sam Garcia, it's always fun to have you with us, and I know you're living up there. Over a 1,000 flights canceled out of DFW today. You're getting snow in your area. You're just located just a little bit north of downtown there, real nice area where you live and work. So how's the weather there? Well, it's all white out here. Uh, of course, it's a lot of sleet. Uh, you know, it doesn't look like it's totally ice at this point, but who knows what it'll turn up. And I'll be at the servicing conference later today. We'll see how badly that's impacted by uh, today's weather. Oh, Could you're heading over there? Day. Oh, good, yeah. Yes, yes. Kind of reminds yeah, me of the Super Bowl a couple that. years ago. Yeah, all, I'm thinking of all the people flying in for this conference, and that could have, the weather could have a big, big impact. Didn't think about that. Yeah, duh. Huge, That's, huge. Uh, a yeah. thousand flights could be huge for this conference, and so it'll be interesting. So anyway, looking at your list of stuff that you've got covered here, give us a rundown. Good, good website, folks. Check it out at mortgagedaily.com. Sam, what you got? Well, uh, you know, uh, one thing we haven't – I didn't put on the list here, but uh, we're in the middle of publishing it is a story about Bank of America. They're doing some more layoffs here in North Texas. It's kind of interesting because North Texas, you know, after the uh, the market crash, really became a hotbed mm-hmm. for new servicing activity, and they hired a lot of employees right. and – built up staffing. Well, now we're seeing the reverse of that happen with a, uh, you know, loan performance improving. So, uh I don't I don't think it's going to, you know, really have it put an extreme damper on the area, but it is significant because we really saw a lot of growth during the last few years. Um last week we put out the mortgage market index on Friday and uh we showed that uh it was off 10% for the week and that just reflects cuz we don't we don't do a seasonal adjustment. That just reflects a decline from from the uh President's Day holiday. But what's more significant Okay. That compared to a year earlier, it was up. It was up by nearly a quarter. So businesses uh, was better. Uh, you know, uh, the, it reflects, I'm sure, some some refinance activity. Um, jumbo loans, where they were priced 14 basis points more than uh, conforming loans, and and the significance about that is that that was better than 21 basis points spread a week earlier. So jumbo loan pricing got better. Um, the FHFA put out its uh, refinance report, and uh, we did a little uh, calculation there and found that uh, there were about 100 and almost 59,000 transactions, GSC refinance transactions in December. And that jumped from about 135,000 in November. So we saw a nice little surge there uh, as rates uh, dipped. But the other side of that was that HARP activity slowed to the lowest level Gosh, since we started collecting the data in January 2011, so you know, HARP just appears to be on the way out the door. Um, FHA business, uh, the FHA finished out last year on a pretty good note. Uh, December residential endorsements by FHA jumped 17% from November. Um, the only thing was that applications during uh, December slipped, so that suggests that January probably is going to see a little bit of a decline. Another good uh, thing about FHA's uh, report was that their 30-day delinquency, which includes uh, foreclosures and bankruptcies, fell to 13.47% in December, hmm. um, down from 13.90% in November. So that was a nice improvement in performance for the last month of the year. Um, the Mortgage Bankers Association put out their uh, outlook uh, for refinance activity or for overall origination activity, but they lifted their uh, first quarter refinance projection to $150 billion from what they uh, projected last month, which was uh, 
$137 billion. So they're more optimistic about refinances. Uh, and the second quarter outlook also improved uh, to uh, from $129 billion. So uh, yeah. mortgage bankers looking more optimistic about that. Um, also, Freddie Mac increased increased its uh, forecast by $100 billion for, uh, for this year. So uh, that, that's, a, that's the refinance portion of it. You know, they, they, nobody's right. increasing purchase activity ex- expectations, no. but uh, we could see that that refinance activity just keeps uh, looking better for the moment. Uh, of course, with rates jumping recently, we don't know how long that's going to hold. Uh, finally, uh, Ellie Mae put out its Origination Insight report. Um, we saw that uh, Ellie Mae reported the closing rate was 62.4% in January, and that's an improvement from 60.2% uh, a month earlier and 55% a year earlier. Wow. So, uh, terrible, uh, people, still. Yeah, well, improvement's always good, right? Um, yeah, improvement's turn- good, but I'm still looking at that ratio. That's something we got to talk about in the hot to- topic segment because that, that's, that's not good. Anyway, go on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, also uh, the time it took to close a loan uh, sped up to 40 days from 42 days in December, so closing a little okay. more quickly, and and it was actually 45 days a year earlier, so even that much better. And, That's uh, improvement, yeah. The uh, the only bad news yeah. about from Ellie, Ellie Mae's report was that credit conditions tightened with average credit scores rising and average loan-to-values and debt-to-income ratios declining. Interesting. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's amazing that an LOS now has is become because the amount of data they have flowing in there because of the market share they have. It's actually a great place to get some, you know, performance statistics. So, how often do they publish out of that uh, out of the LMA or how often does LMA publish reports like this? Is it a quarterly or is it monthly? This comes out every month and uh, like you say it's just full of rich rich with details. Uh, nobody else reports yeah. this kind of stuff. So, it's a uh, very valuable yeah. uh, give you a good picture of what's going on. And I really like most from that report is it shows how credit conditions are. You know, when we see credit scores lowered and, you know, income ratios uh, higher, why that shows, you know, a little bit more flexibility going on out there. Some, uh, the reason I asked the question, of course, it's, you, you were telling us monthly report that I asked question. But I heard that they put together a quarterly report that's more of a summary, that's more comprehensive. Uh, I can't imagine that. But someone was telling me that they do a quarterly a summary that uh, has some different data points on it. So anyway. I've stuff. never seen the quarterly. I've seen the uh, – they'll put out an annual summary to show what you know the yeah. average was for the whole year. But uh, it's, it's, it comes out every month, and it's got all the detail, uh, way more than we can even come close to reporting. Uh, you know, And it goes yeah. into FHA, conventional, to show you the variances in credit scores and rates and so forth between the different types of programs. Well, if someone wanted to go in and dive into that data a little bit more deeply, where would be – is that – uh, in the public domain, in other words, do they just publish that out for the industry to to yep. uh, grab and look at? That's good. Yeah, you just go to the LMA it- uh, website, and then uh, you just go to their news section. They have a section for press releases, and they put that out once a month on that page. Okay, good. Excellent. Boy, thanks so much. That's really fascinating information, especially about, I mean, it is improving, but I look at 62%, 62. 62.4% uh, basically closing rate. Is that from application, do you recall? Sam, or is that, you know, at what stage? 62, it sounds... The the way they stated is that it's uh, the percentage of applications started in the previous 90-day cycle that closed. Uh, Okay. All right. That's interesting. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Lots of good stuff. Always a pleasure, David. Check out his website. 
I always love, always love your uh, coming on. Uh, MortgageDaily.com, www.mortgagedaily.com. Check it out. It's uh, one of those great resources. You can kind of get a flavor for all that is in there. Let's jump over to the Profit Doctor. Always fun to have the Profit Doctor in the house. And, you know, the doctors in the house, as we say, and we've got some commentary. So what you got? Hey, Dave. It's always great to be on the show. I've got so many things that I want to talk about. I don't have time to do it within the uh, Profit Doctor segment, so we'll hopefully carry some of these over. But this just to tease just a little bit about one of the topics that I want to talk about, actually two, is I want to talk about independent mortgage bankers today, and I want mm-hmm. to flash back and talk about savings and loans in the oh. 70s. Oh, so, and the correlation that is striking between those two groups. Um, also, want to touch base on oh, that is services. a tease. That is yeah. a very good intellectual tease. There, that's good. Yeah, IMB, IMBs and SNLs. Uh, then we'll get into a little bit about marketing services agreements because that's been a really interesting hot topic, uh, along with cash flow forecasts and some CFPB issues. But the main thing I wanted to talk about today during this segment is the webinar that we're doing. We've been doing the first series of the uh, mortgage accounting webinar that we do through the Mortgage Bankers Association. This past week had the largest attendance we've had, uh, so there's a lot of interest in accounting, and I'm very excited to see that because without accounting, you're not going to be able to know your results because you can't manage what you can't measure, and you have to measure your results. You have to have low-level profitability. And like the story you like to say, Dave, is that your highest volume originator may not be your most profitable originator and, in fact, is actually probably your mid-tier uh, profit originator. So but how do you know? Yes. How do you get there? Right. So next week yes. we're going to do deeper dive into accounting followed then by hedging for accountants. Lots of information, implied duration, negative convexity. We're going to demystify those words so that when accounting people talk about it with their secondary marketing folks, the accounting people don't get uh, confused. They're able to hold their own. And then lastly, the most complicated, mark-to-market accounting and how it affects your financials is the last week. So that's some of the stuff. I'm still, I'm still flabbergasted, circling back to one of the things I first said, the CFPB rules and third-party management. This rule's been out for over coming up on three years, and I'm astounded at the number of people who still have not taken the steps to fix it, doing their vendor assessment, wow. doing their vendor evaluation, coming up with your policies, procedures, implementing risk management. I mean, we have some of our some of the answers to this stuff on our website for free. We, and you can do a licking on lending download from last Broadcast, year. Broadcast, yeah. Uh, yeah, Teresa and I talked about yeah. this. So there's no excuse to not be making progress, and I'm just astounded to see so many people still haven't gotten their arms around this. It's just not that difficult. So come on, let's let's, let's get this third-party management stuff addressed and behind us so we don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, and we're going to be talking in the Hot Topics segment just some of the fines and levies that are being put out there by CFPB because things are, you know, they're being – well, ignored or just ignorant? I mean, ignorance is not a, uh, a defensible position on any of this, as you say so many times, Prophet Doctor. That's really good. I'm looking forward to your insights on this. I want to ask a couple questions about the webinar. I think what's interesting and significant about this is that you have the largest attendance this time around, and you've been doing this for 
is this your seventh, sixth or seventh one on these? And when they started out, we had, I remember doing a couple of these with you, and, and it was, uh, I mean, we had 20, 30, and now you're up to 70 on a repeat basis. That Why do you think that is, Andy? Is it really that people are just going, wow, I really got my head, get head wrapped around this? Or what, what are the contributing factors why the attendance is up after doing this so many times? Well, I think that the, the CFPB's presence in our industry and the renewed regulatory focus that we're, we're seeing expand um, has people realize that, you know, details matter. Process matters. How you get it done matters. And you've got to know where your, your numbers are. I think with uh, enhanced compression of the profit margins, the increased demand on margin from regulatory compliance, yeah. When you got to squeeze more out of the same process, you need to make certain you have really, really, really accurate and um, well-calculated metrics. And so that's part of what this does is it gives people the ability to to make sure their checkbook's reconciled. And so that's what we, we help them do. Well, it's it's fascinating. It's a really good webinar. A lot of the feedback has just been really, really positive. So, folks, uh, check it out. Go out to the MBA website. Where's the best place for people to connect if they want to register? Because you can jump in on this, even though it's underway. You can uh, subscribe by by session. And you have is this a four or five uh, week session, Andy? This one's this one's a four week session, and and okay. it, so there's three more left. And they go to mba.org. And then click on conferences, and there it'll see webinars. Click on webinars, and then you'll see the accounting series under their current webinars, and just click on it and sign up. And it's really simple and easy. And we're we're just now this week getting into kind of the deeper dive into accounting, so it's not too late. It's not too late to pay attention and see how some of this all fits together, because accounting is a cycle, and it's all about understanding the pieces and parts that fit together to make it so that it makes sense. Well, I'm uh, got to tell you, good job on it. I get a chance to listen to this, and I always learn. I don't care how many times you do this, but how, how much of an expert you are in accounting. You got to just constantly be going, getting updates. Good stuff. Good to have you with us, Prophet Doctor. Always love it, and can't wait to get your commentary in the next segment. And segment, we'll be right back, folks, with the hot topic segment, going over the last latest industry trends, some things we want to point out, and then we're going to have some discussion to answer some of the listeners' questions that have come in from the last four or five broadcasts. Good to be with you. We'll be right back after this. Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consulting firm to the residential mortgage lending industry. No other firm in the U.S. offers the menu of services or the level of expertise to the industry. If you're looking for help converting from best efforts to hedging or need help with bookkeeping to know your profit per loan, if you are interested in making the transition from broker to banker, or if you just need a roadmap for success, Mortgage Banking Solutions' primary focus is to enable executives to take their business to the next level and guide them down on a path towards success and profitability. With over 300 combined years of experience in all facets of mortgage lending, the Mortgage Banking Solutions team of professionals has the expertise and know-how to help you accomplish your goals. New warehouse lines of credit, broker-to-banker transitions, transitioning to hedging, financial and accounting services, or meeting your capitalization needs. If you need help with these or any other aspects of your business, please contact a Mortgage Banking Solutions sales team to see how we can help you at 512 977 it's 512-977-9900. Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. It's good to have you with us, everybody. A lot of t- 
topic, and a lot of emails are flowing in as a result of our broadcast. Uh, last week, I had a lot of people wanting to connect with our special guest, Eileen O'Grady, on the topic of titled The Comeback of Private Securitizations. And it was very interesting, the, the feedback we got. A lot of people tuned in and have downloaded and passed that around. In fact, Prophet Doctor, I know you would love to have listened to that. Eileen O'Grady is uh, someone I worked with since 1976. Going back a wow. long, long, long ways. So I refer to it as my mortgage adolescence. But, Andy, it was really <laughs> interesting to listen to the tenants. And one of the reasons I had her come on the broadcast, and, and I just want to get your thoughts on it, because Joe and Alice had a chance to comment a little bit uh, to um, some of the things she said. And I know you probably haven't had a chance to download and listen to the broadcast, uh, that particular broadcast yet. But basically, the reason I had Eileen come on, she's someone I've known for many, many years, a long, long time, since 1976. Uh, she's put up with me all these years in my Tennessee uh, as an originator to torture the underwriters as much as I did. No is never no, something we're going to talk about here a little bit. Uh, but what she was, the reason what caught my attention, she was attending the uh, ABS or the Asset Back Security West Conference in Las Vegas. And she said, Dave, more than 50% of the people they budgeted to attend to this conference showed up with their checkbook wanting to register at the last minute in this. And it has to do with the fact that the MBA, ABS markets are looking at coming back and fitting, filling a need that's just out of agency, just out, not going back to subprime. She was very clear to say she does not see any reason or rationale for the subprime to come back. That's going to stay in the hard money space, probably should stay there forever. We did that journey. Hopefully we learned something out of it. But the just out of agency, that non-QM product that a lot of banks are portfolioing, that community banks are portfolioing, uh, is really where she sees this coming back and she sees it happening over the next, uh, within the next two years. And so uh, knowing that, I just want to get your thoughts on that. You've watched, you've been in the industry, Andy, for so many years. Love to get your thoughts on what you think will happen and your opinion. I know just opinion, but it's a pretty good one. So um, give us your thoughts. Well, thanks, Dave. Back, back in the 90s, when I was at Bank of America in California Marcos, we were, launched our own um, uh, REMIC. And so we were we were managing... For those um, that don't understand a REMIC, if you want to explain what a REMIC real estate is. Mortgage Investment Conduit. So we, we, would, yep. we would funnel non-agency production through this private securitization path in order to release uh, B of A, Bank of America issued private label securities containing jumbo product. And, and the spreads between agency and jumbo were probably on the order of 100 basis points in yield, something like that. So it was a fairly significant number. And that worked. Now, to, today, to go on asset-backed securitization for just the just for agency quali for qualifying conforming loan balances that are just slightly outside of the um, agency qualification or maybe because of the aggregator overlays. Um, from hearing what Paul was talking about earlier, um, it doesn't sound like the spreads are big enough for this to make make a whole lot of uh, sense moving forward. It made sense in the 90s. Jumbo private label was, was a good product. Uh, then everybody went nuts with this, you know, subprime stuff, right. and that was bad. But we don't want to do that. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, uh, with a degree of caution, hearing hearing this path that there really is a market for ABS for conforming product. I just don't think it's big enough. And I think that that as uh, as aggregators, 
relieve release their overlays because that's a big push right now. Wells Fargo is saying they're going to pull off their overlays, and as uh, more people become Fannie Direct, is there really that much of a market for Fannie Mae non-eligible ABS? And maybe there is. Maybe there is. Maybe I'll surprise. I, I'm just. It's going to have to be a pretty big spread. It's going to, have to be a bigger spread than it is now. Yeah. The spread. So, what do you think some of the contributing factors are going to be to bring this back, if it were? So, the spreads are one of them. If we saw the spreads widen, that there there would be a possibility of that. You don't see that happening. What else might be a contributing factor to bring this back? The, the volume as a whole. You know, we're we're, we're a trillion dollar industry, and and. You know, back in the 90s, we still were futzing around around a trillion, so the the volume probably is going to be okay. But um, demand, you know, there's going to have to be a demand for it, and with uh, mortgage rates in the in the fours and jumbos in the fives, maybe uh, you you can get there. I think sellers are going to have to do holdbacks, and sellers are going to have to provide discounts. We're going to have to get the yield attractive, so private investors are going to see the benefit of going out of the MBS realm. The, the conforming Fannie Mae, Fannie, Fannie uh, Jenny guaranteed structure to this private label asset-backed structure where all of a sudden the buyer has a credit risk. Even with AAA tranched structures, we learned that that doesn't matter because Fitch doesn't know how to evaluate mortgages because they were AAA right. subprime things that had a 150% loss rate. So yeah. I think we I think we have some path to go because – well, why would I take the risk of investing in something other than agency when I can – I mean, well, why would I invest in something where I have to do a lot of due diligence, I have to trust a rating agency, and maybe I pick up some spread over the, the confidence and security of going to straight-up MBS? And I yeah, have one point. thing to throw really in point. there, Angie, to get your point. Don't you, do you think the QM situation where we don't really have any legal workings yet on what's going to happen in the non-QM space – uh, do you think the private investors think about that? So money first, but then the an underlying layer is I really don't know what the risks are with non-QM product yet. Great point, Alice. Any place there's uncertainty, whether if it's in the due diligence arena of QM, non-QM versus layer, layering risk with tranches, I mean, all of this stuff, the, the whole uncertainty of payment streams or uncertainty of litigation, are, what, what's the non-QM really mean? What is our my liability? What are the... You know the holdback provisions. Is it? Do I really have to retain? I mean, all that stuff is going to cause investors to go. Now wait a second. Why do I want to do this when I can go MBS? So I just don't see it as it's going to have to be a big spread, and they're going to have to address all of these complexities. I think before it's going to get footing. Well, I, I've got one reason. I'll throw throw a little curve into that. First of all, several people asked Alice to get your comment about this. Do they? Do you see the regulatory world? Uh, you know, being such that people are being wooed into this, or there's a regulatory risk just kind of it's going to take out any, uh, even if the spreads increase, it's going to take out any desire to get into it. And then I've got a counter to that point that I had as a real good email dialogue with. So, Alice, what about the risk from a regulatory standpoint, which is kind of what you're saying, but someone wanted to have, tell, ask Alice, how can anyone get into this with that hanging over their heads? Well, I think that's a. I think it's a challenge, you know, especially as Fannie and Freddie have tried to be a little more transparent on their reps and warranties. That's part of what's contributing to lenders considering lifting some of their overlays. You know, now that we have the new structure for the reps and warranties in the three-year window, that's helping. And so, on the regulatory yes. side, 
we all have to do the same thing, whether it's non-QM, non-agency. So that's just a level playing field, and this should be the same risk for anybody interested in investing in mortgages. So the, the different issue is the non-QM. And I think there are lots of reasonable non-QM loans out there. I mean, Jumbo's for one, but there are companies trying to tip their toe in the water for some reasonable risk-taking with what they believe to be good compensating factors. But And it might even be be fine with a regulator. What we don't know is if the economy turns south, what is going to happen in the courts, and that's the big unknown factor in non-QM, which I, no one can answer today, not even uh, the top Washington attorneys. So it's just an unknown. Yeah, I'm looking at the clock. How much, uh, Joe, any thoughts on after you were participated in that broadcast, any thoughts on the private securitizations? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I think I think that uh, private securitization is going to have a hard uh, time until the agencies start charging more for guarantee fees than what the risk is. Uh, mm-hmm. We've seen that yeah. go from you know fifteen to twenty to be fifty to sixty now, and uh, uh, as soon as that becomes more than what uh, should be charged, I think the private securitization market will come in. That's a, that's the big yeah. reason the spreads have have gone away, is that the agencies are are now charging a more, I, I think a, a, a more viable guarantee fee. And as soon as they start charging too much, I think the uh, private sector will come back in. Well, I'm going to throw one thing out there. This is um, uh, for those that are looking at the clock, by the way, I do. I I now have this extended over beyond a one hour broadcast so we don't have to just race to the end. We are actually going over a few minutes because there's so much good discussion going on. People go, Dave, could you just make it run just for the end? We don't like getting cut off unless we're in the midst of that. So we actually are going to have this run a little bit over for those of you listening. Um, You could download it if you have to run after the end of the broadcast. listeners. Uh, One of the things that I was pointed out that I thought was really interesting. Number one is that when this administration, Elizabeth Warren, some of the, you know, the liberal sector of the, the Congress out there is suggesting reducing the balance, doing a uh, pay down or allow for a reduction, principal reduction balances in certain cases on agency product. If, in fact, that were to happen, it won't. I can't imagine anyone in their right mind would do this, uh, would allow this to happen. Uh, several people pointed out to me that they said they brought this back because I did a, a segment on Fox here a few weeks back uh, on this topic. And I said, that's fundamental. Joe, Andy, you guys both finance majors, and you both know the fundamental tenet of free enterprise capitalism is the fact that private property rights, and we're talking about bondholders there. If they start messing with bondholders' rights, private property rights, then and they're doing it within the QM agency area, then all bets are off. This thing could go in another direction. So that someone actually quoted my own broadcast when I was on with Neil Cavuto on this topic, and they said, how does that play into it, Lickin? I think it might open the door to ABS, the concept. So interesting, uh, yes, you look at what's being proposed out there. I want to get through a couple other things What we got. Uh, Andy, a lot of feedback on your um, comment in your broadcast from February 9th, FHFA's New Financial Rules. A lot of feedback on that. We're going to do a whole other topic on that. We're going to have some folks from the NBA on. They actually met with Fannie and Freddie. And here's the deal, folks. 
And Andy, I just want you to make a brief, brief comment on it. And then I want to get offered to Jason Roth and get a compliance ease segment, which is on February 2nd. But Andy, you graded, gave me some a great email after some of the commentary came in. We have warehouse bankers deciding warehouse policy. You have agencies deciding agency policy. And you gave us a really good, I thought, comprehensive perspective from an accounting standpoint and from uh, from that. Any thoughts you want to share to our listeners as a point of a clarification on that? Because some people were they were challenging you, per se, but they're saying, well, we're going to look at it this way, and others said, we're going to look at it that way. So what are your thoughts? Did we lose you, or did I lose? Are you guys still there? No, one, of the, one of the points was the treatment of the mortgage servicing rights as an intangible asset. Yeah, it had to do with asset. MSRs, yeah. Yeah, right. And, and, and commercial banks have to fully weight their mortgage servicing rights. It's 100% capital weighted. And so when, um, as you look at the proposal from FHFA, which isn't, they're not even going to be as aggressive as, as CFPB is going to be, but they're talking about a standardization of the financial measurement, measurement metrics. That's why they're going with this 6%. And they also said, Tangible net worth. Now, tangible net worth is excluding the MSRs, like I talked about. Currently, Fannie yeah. Mae has an exception that says you don't have to exclude MSRs, and so we know that. But I was talking about what the FHFA said, and what they said That's was right. tangible net worth excludes MSRs. They, well, they didn't say that. They said tangible net worth, and under GAAP, that would exclude the yes. MSRs. And, and, and currently, Fannie lets mortgage companies include the MSRs in their capital base. And so you, you can't think that mortgage companies get a free pass on including all of the MSR without any risk weighting when commercial banks have to 100% risk weight the MSRs. So we're getting way complicated here. But just suffice it to say, I think there's more movement coming on this topic. Yes. Yes. And I think that's a great way to sum it up. So I, I, I just... We're, there, the NBA has wanted to come on and actually have uh, participate in a, in a broadcast on this, and, I, and a lot of people go, "Can Andy be there?" Because he makes it so he breaks it down. So a lot of people listen to you carefully. Hence, the seventh time, sixth, seventh time you've done the counting webinar, and you have the biggest audience, and the NBA is having you do it again. So it's very, very good. So you bring some, well, uh, you you sort it out and put it in various buckets, and I think that's why a lot of people want to hear your comment and want to hear the dialogue on this so that they know how to hear it because they're reading different things and they're confused. And so people look to you to unravel their confusion, Prophet Doctor. Well, so there we go. happy to do that. And one, one quick side note about this whole capital thing yeah. is that I think there is going to be a leveling of the structure, and we are going to need to think in terms of, 6% capital and capital weighting, which we don't do today. So we're going to have to deal with mm-hmm. all of this. And, and mortgage companies currently have high leverage, and they, have, uh, uh, they borrow money from a commercial bank, and they make deposits to a, a commercial bank, and there's this growing regulatory focus. And w- what I wanted to say about savings and loans is in the 70s, savings and loans borrowed money from a bank, they had a deposit relationship with a bank. They had a high leverage. They had a regulatory mm. focus. Had strong capital. And when you start to look at the pieces and parts, a more independent mortgage banker is going to be kind of like a savings and loan without the savings. It's a loan source, but it's a regulated loan source where there's going to be high capital, high leverage, regulatory focus, strong customer focus, banking relationships. 
So I think that we we need to kind of take our the way it's been hat off and think about what's yes. the future of regulatory oversight of an independent mortgage banker. And, and I think we're going to be a non-depository depository. We're going to be a non yes non-bank regulated bank. In other words, we're going to be regulated just like the banks. You might as well, you go out buy a bank and not feel any difference all of a sudden. Is what what I what I'm getting out of this. I think we're going to have um, I think we're going to Alice, have higher higher leverage potential, but yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that there yeah, we're going to have higher leverage potential than a bank. Yes, I think that is accurate because we don't have the the government backstop uh in that sense. So, uh so there will be some advantages, but good stuff. There's a lot of discussion. We want to have a whole broadcast around it. Alice, we talked about on February 2nd the compliance discussion. A lot of people really enjoyed that discussion with you and Jason Roth. Um, and I think just before we did the broadcast, and first of all, I want to get any comments you feedback you have on that uh, particular broadcast. Uh, a lot of people are asking about how we're really interested on how they should be feeling about their vendor. So the the, the vast majority of commentaries said, "I'm depending on my vendor. Am I safe there?" And the answer I've been saying is, "No. You got to do your own due diligence. You got to look at this." But uh, Alice, you're in, exactly in, right. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, certainly the services that are out there for compliance uh, checking of the data in your system will each operate differently. And I know some systems come with their own compliance software, but the lender has to completely understand how it's working, how that fits with their process, and they have to identify what are the gaps within that process and, and where is right. the data pulling from. You you have to know the questions to ask your provider. You can't sit around and wait, them, wait for them to just tell you what you want to hear. Uh, we found that a lot at a couple of, as I've talked to a couple of you know, folks who've attended their uh, LOS providers conferences that have been going on lately. You know, they've, Yes, they've got great compliance teams, but they're looking at things from a very general standpoint, not what's specifically going to happen at your company. And I try, and in my legislative update earlier today, I tried to illustrate one of those. They're, your LOS provider is not going to be able to solve for every step in the process. Um, you're going to have to know what's very, going on. Yeah. Yep, don't be relying on your LOS provider and get a good partner. Get a good training company, Alice. And get a good compliance company, compliance That's my two cents on that one. Uh, Alice, well, several people have wanted to talk about MLS, NMLS licensing. Banks don't require it right now. There were some comments made by uh, the MBA uh, recently, uh, Bill Cosgrove, the president, and uh, several people thought, man, I'd like to get Alice's thoughts on this. Sh- should we have a level playing field and everybody licensed? Any thoughts on that? It seems like yeah, so there, there's – go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, so Bill Crossgrove was just at the NMLS uh, conference and brought up about, you know, encouraging the CSBS and Armour who oversee the NMLS activities, CSBS in particular, you know, with having all loan originators be on the same playing field, whether you had a depository mm-hmm. or not, and should they all take a test. And I would be in agreement with that, absolutely. Why shouldn't a customer, regardless of where they go to obtain a mortgage, have different criteria for that person who's sitting across the desk responsible for the same things as somebody at another company? People make the case for banks having more training, but, you know, to be honest with you, it's still about that person has to know how this works and the customer should have the confidence everybody's gone through the same licensing because uh, it's not a level playing field right now. It isn't. In fact, there's a lot of people that 
cannot get jobs at it cannot get the their NMLS license for a host of reasons, one of which is credit. And uh, as a result, they're having to work for a bank. And several people are saying, you know what, that's just not fair. So that it's not fair thing sounds sounds like my 17 year old. Um, anyway, I'm looking at the clock. Uh, we also had a lot of feedback on Les Parker's. We had a two part broadcast on the, on the 20 uh, January 26th as well as January 19th. Very good uh, content in that, so much so that we had to have bring it back for a two-part, part one, part two. Go check out those broadcasts. Um, there is so much we could continue to go on, but out of respect for those that are downloading and listening to this, um, I want to just go around the horn one more time. we we'll start with Alice, then go to Joe, and then Andy for some summary comments on trends that you're seeing right now. Alice, any new trends, anything that you would be sharing with our listeners? Well, we're very deep in the weeds with everybody on the TLRSPA integrated disclosures. So I would definitely say that that folks being up to your elbows and every little nuance in the procedure is really where a lot of companies have to focus on the next several months. And if you have not conducted your general training for your entire company yet, you are behind the curve in trying to get this implemented on time. Uh, so we are helping companies, uh, very large companies, small companies, you name it, A to Z, get themselves around the curve on time because this is not getting extended. So uh, we all have to be ready. So that's that's where we're at. That's good. That's good stuff. Joe, I'm looking at the markets right now. The market prices are still up. Rates are still down. That's good today. What trends yep. are you seeing? We're uh, looking at the market conditions, you know, whether it be correspondent lending, you know, selling a whole loan agency, general commentary that you're seeing in trend-wise. Rates going up. Uh, <laughs> I know you're not going to predict yeah, that. No. <laughs> well, no, but uh, what I would say, and going back to what Les Parker talked about, uh, is too obviously too soon to see if his uh, wide range of uh, highs and lows for rates is going to be uh, um, come true. But uh, I did walk away from his presentation with a sense that he expects things to be volatile, and I'd say that yeah. that's the way we are right now. And I expect that that's going to remain uh, true until we get better clarity from the Fed as far as their uh, policy regarding the Fed funds rate and the uh, program to to hold on to or to, to sell uh, parts of their portfolio. And, and then uh, until we get some clarity out of uh, Europe and, and the Greece situation and, and whatever else comes after that, um, so I, I do think that the trend is we're going to be volatile. Yep. I expect volatility. Have a service that you can protect yourself. At least stay up on what's going on in the volatility. Profit Doctor, what are any trend lines that you're seeing other than what you've talked about already? Any things that you should we want to highlight for our listeners? Well, reiterating what, what Joe just said based on what Les was talking about is assume high volatility and be able to get your – position recommendation updated more often than once every night. So that would be, I think, we're going to have to do that. And then secondarily, yeah, think, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, what I was just going to add to that is, you know, the guys that are saying, you know, we'll just we'll just look at locks and what came in on, an, on a 24-hour basis, man. Uh, those that are going after the market's close are taking risk. I, I think they're going to be taking on way more risk than the previous in previous cycles, so yeah, I think it's very important. And and the other trend I'm seeing is I'm I'm still astounded at the ostrich effect we're having on regulatory <laughs> compliance, specifically the yeah. QWR tracking, which is the qualified written 
request that's part of the CFPB right. servicing rules that are applicable to every single mortgage company in the country, even if you only do five loans. If you collect the first payment ever, you're subject to these rules. And, and from people we're looking at, they're not doing anything about it. Same thing with third-party management. There's just not enough traction. People are still futzing around trying to figure out rather than making progress to get something done. Yep, that's good. Folks, take it seriously, whistling by the graveyard, or ignorance is not a defensible position when dealing with the CFPB. And uh, you don't have to be. It's, it's, I mean, it's some of the stuff's well-published. We've got a lot of content on this broadcast. Uh, the, the one thing I would say is there's, there's a lot of pressure on no not being no. That's always the case. Uh, we've talked about that. We're just seeing more of an increased trend. If you are experiencing greater than a uh, 35% no isn't no at your shop, in other words, everything gets escalated up and it's beyond 35%, then uh, there's many factors that go into it. Your underwriting is too tight. Loan officers can't take no for an answer. There's, there, so there's not a ironclad rule. Uh, 50 to 35 percent is uh, th- 50 is too high in my opinion. 35 percent is a more of a normal range, and so that's one of the things I'm seeing. I'm seeing that range getting pushed up. Some companies are getting up to 70, 80 percent of escalation when it's and when an underwriting is saying no, it's getting escalated up. And I think that's a testimony to some of the pressure that's on these companies, especially with interest rates low. The other thing is companies that are really solid purchase companies getting caught up in the refinance. Gosh, be careful, guys. The bread and butter of the future is uh, is, is really in the purchase business. And they say, yeah, but purchases are going to be falling off. Maybe so, but just if you could do it, prioritize your work where it is based on on originations, uh, new and purchase business, not on the refi business. you got a conflict at closing. Which one you are going to fund? Pick the one that's a purchase transaction. Seems common sense to me, but sometimes in real life, I mean, common sense isn't always so common out there. Good to have you with us. We appreciate you being here. I, we're hoping to book Jeff Jensen, who wrote a book, What a Hoot. It's a re- book on recruiting, and uh, he sent me a copy of it. I really like it. He's one of the listeners, regular listeners on our broadcast, and I am very excited to uh, share some of the thoughts that he has in this book with you. I think you'll find it interesting. So I'm hoping we get him booked for next week, if not uh, at least very, very soon. It's a good book. We're going to be talking more about recruiting, getting a little bit onto the production side of it, and then we're going to drift over back over to servicing. Lots of information that we try to provide you all over the landscape of mortgage lending. But most importantly, we appreciate you being a part of our listening audience. Folks, have yourself a great rest of the week. Look forward to having you back here next week. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Elvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 